Hey, Curious Nation, welcome back to another episode of the Travel Podcast. Maybe you remember Barbara. Barbara joined us in episode 16, where she shared her expertise about Thailand. We travel around Thailand thanks to her, but I sent a message to Barbara. I just wanted to have her once again in the podcast and ask her about her situation, what was there back in the days, because she left her corporate job where she wasn't just working, she was managing people, so she was getting a good salary, but she left all that despite all the voices that were telling her, stay, 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 stay. She left all that and she went to travel and write travel articles and chase her happiness. So, as you know, happiness is a big thing with me. I I talk about it quite often, especially in the recent days, especially with my online course that just been released, How to Be Happy. So it's it's really a coincidence how things align, but I'm really excited to share this episode. And hopefully, hopefully, if you think it's too late for you to change your job or change or chase happiness, whatever it is, hopefully this podcast will answer your questions. So here it is. Let's welcome Barbara once again. Hello, Barbara. Thank you so much for joining us today once again. How are you doing, by the way? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for having me back again. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, Barbara was with us already when she showed us Thailand. Um, but today I am asking her, I asked her to join us and share her knowledge on travel blogging, how to start when people are advising you not to start. Because Barbara, can you remind me, did you start writing back in 2005? No, uh, I actually started the blog in November of 2006 as I was preparing to leave my job. And then um, I started uh, traveling full time in, oh gosh, March or April, I guess, of 2007. So I was just sort of getting things together at that point and trying to sell my house. And um, I, I moved to, to Florida and found a place down there, an apartment and yeah, sort of didn't really get started until the first quarter of 2007. So you, but you started writing in 2006, but you started traveling in, in 2007. So did you, right. did you write about your desire to travel or did you write the things in your city? How, how did you start? Oh gosh, that's a long time ago. <laughs> um, I think because... It, you know, 2007, I was in real estate at the time. I uh, was a general manager for four Remax franchises and broker in charge and had my own team of five and had a development company where I uh, bought and sold properties and built properties and then flipped them. And so um, that was sort of the beginning of when the market went down, you know, when we had the recession. Yeah. And um, I had uh, tried to sell my house for a year and was unsuccessful. Uh, so I kind of was looking at, I, I did finally sell the house. I sold it at a loss, uh, but I had enough equity in it to kind of start my journey around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, so I started like um, talking about, oh, this is, this is retirement for me. I'm retiring from real estate, but I'm going to start traveling. And a lot of it in the beginning was the process that I went through for selling my house and how difficult that was and deciding to go to Florida to live and uh, 
you know, and then it sort of transitioned when I got on the road into in mostly, uh, mostly travel content. Okay. So the writing came after in a way, is that what you say? You started traveling and then you, the, the whole idea was to travel, not to write. Uh, no, the whole idea was well, both things. So three things, actually. Travel, photography, and writing. Hmm. It's all I'd ever wanted to do is be a travel writer. Um, and, you know, I got stuck in corporate life for 36 years and hated it. And finally, um, I don't know how much of this. I don't remember if we talked about it in our last session, but I got very sick and uh, looked at my life and realized that, um, you know, what good was life if I was never going to get to do what I always wanted to do. Mm. So I took a year to try and put things in place so that I could leave. I had, I had a number of properties I had to sell, had a house I had to sell. Um, you know, I had to help my boss with the, with me leaving, uh, the company, etc. Uh, and so it was, always intended for me to be a travel writer but you have to remember that at that time blogs were they were in their infancy i mean they were being used by teenagers as diaries and they were sharing them among themselves so there was no such thing as a blog as we knew it today and the only reason i started my blog is because you know my family thought i was absolutely nuts you're going to walk away from a really successful career and do what take pictures and write stories and frankly i worried that they would try and have me committed or something that might it's a bit of a stretch but you know they were not happy and my father especially um was very fearful about me going out on the road on my own and was con convinced that i was going to get killed so i said okay i will start a website because he didn't know what a blog was i'll start a blog and I'll write on it every day so that you know where I am and what I'm doing and, and that I'm okay. And that was, uh, I started it in November, 2006, hit the road in early, you know, March or something, 2007, went out for six months and um, traveled to about 17 countries. And by the time I came back, I had about 1200 people reading my blog. Mm. And I thought, well, gosh, you know, maybe I can, really do something with this because in those days 1200 people was that was a big audience you know it was, <laughs> so, yeah. that, so i decided to to do that i came back home i i finally got my house sold at that point used the proceeds from the house uh to you know i kind of poured some money into the blog to have a professional design done and uh to live on as i continued to travel for the next few years and it wasn't until about two and a half years after I started that I started making money on the blog. Hmm. So your dad was your first subscriber. That's lovely. It's good to have. Uh, <laughs> it's good he, to have. We didn't even have subscriptions in those days, but he read every single blog and he would go back. I found out later on. Oh, he would wait a couple of weeks and he'd go back to one uh, and he'd look at the comments and he'd read everything that everybody had said about it. And in fact, my dad had a very strong influence on my photography because, you know, I'd always been sort of the looking for the pretty picture. If I go somewhere, I'm waiting at the Eiffel Tower for everybody to clear out. So I have this postcard picture. Mm -hmm. And my dad said to me one day, where are the people in your photos? 
know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to see the pretty pictures. I want to see the people. What do they wear? What is their life like? You know, wow. what what food do they eat? And you know, that really, he was responsible responsible for me sort of morphing into a um, a blog about culture around the world. <clears throat> so I never, after that, I never, I never worried about having people in my photos. Yeah, plus that that will save you time, you know, waiting for all the people to clear in attractions like the Eiffel Tower, for example. That <laughs> you need to have snacks with you, you know, <laughs> for the waiting time. <laughs> well, and if you're traveling with somebody, somebody that has infinite patience for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, that is really amazing. Um, because one one people would say, Oh, oh, I didn't I didn't chase my dreams when I was, you know, 25. Now it's too late. You know, that's one thing that people say. And the other thing that say that people say is like, oh, I, I have this career, you know, uh, it, it's okay now. I know I don't like it, but ah, it's too late. And you had, I mean, you weren't in your 20s when you did that. And um, and also you were in a high position. It's not like you were working McDonald's and you say like, oh, okay, the hell with it. But you were in a high position, you were a manager and you had people uh, as well. So really big respect that you you chase what you like but all these people and i'm sure it was it wasn't only your dad and there were many people probably your manager as well saying like are you crazy like are you mad why the hell are you doing this stay stay here in a comfortable spot where are you going um so how what did you tell them did you tell them anything or just ignore them and how did you take that i had um the owner of the company and his wife were very good friends of mine. I worked for them for 10 years. And uh, they were always extremely supportive people. And, and I had told him once a few years before that I was gonna do this, that I was gonna go travel and leave. And he was very supportive, and, oh. but he didn't believe me. And of okay. course I changed my mind because I hadn't yet gotten really sick. And you, you do, you, you, you come up against that fear. Well, if I do this, how am I going to pay the mortgage and how am I going to mm. make the car payments and pay the insurance and all of that? And it is a factor. It's something that you have to consider. So this was, I don't know how many years later, three or four years later, after I got sick and I told him I was going to do what we talked about before and that I would give him a year's notice. And uh, he was, again, completely supportive. I don't think he really believed me this time either. <laughs> Maybe that's why he was supportive. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, okay. But you know what? He's still one of my biggest fans. He reads all of my articles. I mean, we, we communicate by email and, and messenger. And, um, you know, I, I can't say enough about those people because mm. they, they understood that you have to do what makes you happy. And it, that's a rare thing in a boss. As far as my other friends, you know, I think that they a lot of them were in in doubt that I would ever do it. I was 54. You talk about age. It's it's never too late. Mm. And at 54 to walk away from, you know, uh, 36 years of corporate life, I wasn't always in the same job, but I was always in management positions. And um, it's I think you have to hit some sort of a brick wall. Because throughout my life, I had never been happy in corporate life. I can't stand corporate politics. And I would work eight or 10 years at a company and then finally burn out and leave. Mm. And the idea, I'm never going to recreate the stressful situation. But then the doubt starts 
excuse me, starts to creep in about the bills and such. And somebody offers you a job that you think you can't possibly turn down because where am I ever going to find another one, an offer this good again? So you take it and the whole cycle starts all over and over again. And I think that you have to hit a really hard brick wall before it's enough to make you change um, your behavior and your thought process. So in your case, your wall is your sickness. It was, it mm. was. So now you're, you're healthy. Yeah. Okay, good, good, I, good, good. I don't, I'm, I don't, I, you know, I have some stiff joints. I had Lyme disease, as you may remember, mm. and, and the Lyme disease was a um, um, chronic Lyme disease. So I had it five years before they found it. So it invaded my joints and, and I struggle sometimes with, um, you know, sore knees and, and, and a hip that's bad. But other than that, I'm perfectly healthy. You know, it, it's funny, but at least what I believe in is that health is related to happiness. Uh, so if, if you're unhappy, you know, there's a bigger chance that you won't be unhealthy. But I am uh, curious now, if this sickness didn't come to you, would you still be, in, you know, would you have continued in corporate life? I think I would have. Um, I don't think I would have. Nothing else would have been strong enough to make me change my life. Mm. Um, And you have to, well, again, I don't know, can't remember if we talked about this or not, but I've been through some other crises in my life. Um, I battled alcoholism and drug addiction. Oh, wow. And and also died of, almost died of that. So, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a really lucky woman because... I should have been dead two or three times over. Hmm. Um, there was an incident in my young life when I, when I nearly drowned. So um, I, I don't know why I'm still here. I guess, um, I don't know, the universe wasn't finished with me. But it did really take that Lyme disease and thinking that I was going to die um, before I, you know, made the changes. Mm. So for... Okay, what do you think? Because I, I have my situations that I have been chasing happiness. And luckily, I didn't have to hit any walls to, in order to do that so far. And I've been, I've been downgrading to jobs just to go into the field that I like. And there are some people that as well like, oh, you're crazy. You, you don't get that much money. There. Where, where are you going? You know, they're looking at the money. But for people who are unhappy with their situation and they, they're not chasing what they like and they still haven't hit the wall, what would your advice be? Well, let me say that I think that the younger generation is miles ahead of us. Um, you know, I was, uh, I'm going to be 69 here pretty quickly. And I was brought up uh, by parents who worked hard all of their life. And they mm-hmm. instilled in me a very strong work ethic and, um, you know, honesty and integrity. And of course, that all becomes stuff that you have to deal with when you're thinking of, making a change and recreating yourself. Uh, I think that the younger generation, both the millennials and the Gen Xers are much more aware of the fact that material things don't bring you happiness. Mm. Uh, and, and it took me a long time to realize that because I was so miserable during my corporate years, but then I would buy something and that would make me happy for a while. And then I would get into another bout of misery and, oh, well, I'd, I'd buy a bigger house and move into a bigger mm. house. And, 
you know, at the, at the end of it, I was in a 3,500 square foot house with five bedrooms and a home office and 12 and a half acres of wilderness and 600 feet on the water and all alone. <laughs> wow. So it was absolutely craziness, right? And, and I was working 80 hours a week. And then when I was home, I had, we had snakes in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. So I had to do, oh yeah, landscaping, you know, you've got to keep the 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 litter, the leaf litter and such all okay. away from the house or you end up getting snakes. So I was just beating myself to death. And and the more stuff I had, the worse it got. But I I look at my nieces, for instance, and they really they've got it together. They understand what it is that's truly important in life. Hmm. And it's not let, let's face it, we all have to have money. We have to eat, we have to have a yeah. place to live. But we don't need as much as we think we do. I agree. I agree. I definitely agree. And if you think about it, it's crazy that some people these days, they, they live and they don't know the life pre-internet. They don't know what it was. You know, we, like I, if I go and meet my friends, the way we do it, we arrange a meeting at school. Like, okay, three o'clock at the fountain. And then you go up five past three, and then nobody's there. And then you don't know, like, have they been there? Are they gone? Like what, what's happening? Then you meet next day at school. Well, where did you go? Nowadays, just like, you know, hey, where are you? The, yeah. <laughs> yeah, different days. And uh, I keep saying to people that this is the greatest era we live in because if we didn't have the internet, what do you think will be your situation? Like traveling, you wouldn't be able to write to your father well i would I, I could still have written i could have written in magazines it's just that the venues have changed um and in terms of traveling i always traveled from the time i was 18 the minute i was old enough i had a car and i traveled across the country camping so i will say that sometimes i look back on those things and i think how the heck did we ever do that you know, I mean, I've got my map with the GPS on my phone that lets me know which way to turn from the train station to get to my hostel or my hotel. <laughs> and I'm way too dependent upon that. Mm. Um, but, you know, that's those are the tools that we have today that we didn't have. Uh, in, in some ways, it was more adventurous before. Yeah, well it was definitely i remember when we were doing road trips with my family and my father was with a big paper map the night before like yeah, okay, yeah. which road shall we take oh, okay we're going to go here oh, okay <laughs> whatever um you, you said you'll be you'll be writing to magazines but the magazines need to approve you first right yeah i i mean i could what i meant was if i had been a travel writer in those days i wouldn't have needed the internet i i would have been publishing in magazines or maybe newspaper sections. So there were uh, a handful of very good travel sections around the country. Mm. Um, you know, the San Francisco Examiner, the uh, Washington Post had a great one. Um, there was another one in Georgia, the Atlanta Cons Journal Constitution. So there were a number of them who hired people to write stories. And then of course, there were quite, quite a number of travel magazines in those days. Hmm. Most of those have gone away. I don't think there's a single newspaper travel section um, that, that does their own now. There might be some syndicated content. And most of the magazines have gone away. And those that have stayed have um, associated online versions with their print versions yeah. because yeah. it's the online that's making the money now, you know? 
Yeah, well, I wouldn't know because I don't read newspapers. Um, but I newspapers and news, I stay away from these things. But my point is that you can write to magazines, newspapers, yeah, but then you have you are in the mercy of someone that can always say no. Absolutely. You're not good enough, or it's not what we're well, looking the for. Was you you would have to pitch the article. And I did this in the beginning because everybody said, you can't possibly start a travel blog. You have no portfolio. You have mm. no references. You have no clips to show. And so I thought, well, I'd better, you know, even if I have to write for free in the beginning, I'd better get some clips that I can show people. Yeah. So I was living in Florida at the time and I, and I wrote for things like Sarasota magazine and um, gosh, I can't even remember. So creative living and a number of different things. Um, and yeah, you have to pitch the article. And that means that uh, we did have email in those days. And so you send an email to the editor and you say, this is a story I want to write. And you have to come up with some sort of a very creative um, title, subject line for the email, as well as the first two or three lines of the email have got to be really strong because, mm. the, you know, they're getting hundreds of these. So what, what do you do to make yourself stand out? And then if you get selected, you're at the mercy of an editor who, you know, maybe they give you an assignment for 500 words and they decide they don't have enough advertising. So they either cut the article altogether or they have to cut it to 300 and they just butcher the heck out of it. And yeah. And, and they're always telling you what they want you to write instead of what you want to write. And yeah, it's, it's yeah. much different these days. Yeah. Much different. Okay, well, that was great. Um, do you have anything to add to the subject? Or if you have uh, any advice for people who are unhappy with their career, like like closing statement or something, that would be that would be fantastic. Oh gosh. Well, I would say that you know everybody's situation is different. And I am unique in that I had had no husband, I had no children. So I could take off and, and I had only me to be responsible for. Uh, other people might not have uh, quite that situation. You know, there's people who have families. And, but what I would say is don't let the money hold you back. If my way of doing things, I've, my mother once said to me, you're getting older. How many times can you recreate yourself in this life? And I looked at her and I said, as many times as I need to. And I have always been successful at doing that. If I have an idea what I want to do, and as long as I can visualize it right down to the very last detail, then I can usually make it happen. I do think that we create our own uh, reality. And I did that with the blog. I had a vision of what my life would be like, where I would be staying, where I would be going, how I would get along. And, you know, I looked back on that several years after I'd done it and thought, my God, I was, you know, right on the money with the way I envisioned this process. Because I, I spent eight years on the road with me and my suitcase only and no home base because I had sold my house and I could not afford to do what I was doing and support a house also. So I chose to go homeless um, and that's another whole story. I actually had people give me money one time because they thought I was truly homeless. <laughs> but, you know, it's, there's always a way to do it. You have to have faith in yourself. You have to visualize what it is. You have to be clear about what it is you want to create. And then I would say, you, faith and fear can't live in the same place together. 
You just have to have faith in yourself that it's going to happen. And you don't, you don't do actualizations and say, you know, I will have enough money or uh, I don't know, I will be skinny because that's all in the future. If it's always in the future tense, it never is today. So you have to say, I have all the money I need. I have all the talent I need. I have all the support I need. Everything should be in the present moment and you and putting it in that context helps to give you the faith that you need to accomplish the goal. Wow. That was some motivational speech over there. <laughs> I feel pumped. I feel I need to do something after this call. <laughs> You're right. Well, I wish I could do something. I'm I'm not that it's a bad place to be trapped, but I'm trapped in Thailand and I probably won't get to do any international travel until the end of this year. So it'll be almost two years since I've had an international trip. Wow, it must be it must be a burning uh, feeling for a travel blogger not to travel, but uh, no, you know, I'm doing it, domestic travel. So. It is it is what it is. Ah, you see, explore the the, the country there. Okay, well, yeah. perfect. That was uh, fantastic. Thanks so much for joining us again and sharing some more insight of your beginnings. Uh, it was great, and I wish you a fantastic evening with you. Thank you. Same to you, and thanks for having me again. And that's a wrap for yet another travel episode. Thank you so much for listening to the whole thing. If you have listened to that on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. That will mean a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to me. Also, if you have a friend, a cousin, or a teacher, or anybody else who you think will be suitable for this series, please connect us and let's make this happen. Thanks so much once again. I wish you a fantastic day.